let's first start with how the heck did you get from here, from where you were to where you are now? And then tell us about your origin story. Yeah. So a bit about my story. I was a full-time musician playing in bars all the time. And uh, I mean, it would be 21 nights in a row, one break, one night off and 21 nights in a row again with all the free food, all the free booze I could eat. And I'd gone my entire life just being a fat guy. I could out eat you. I could out drink you. And I was proud of it. <laughs> and so that led to me being obese and drunk all the time. And just, I was not in a good spot. And so from there, I- what? How many years was that? And what year did that start? And where? what year are oh, you now? Yeah. So I going way back, I actually saw my mom had my baby book out last time I was over there visiting her. And she logged what I was eating back when I was a baby baby. And it said from the time I was about a year old on, under what is his favorite food, it said everything and his brother's food too. <laughs> so literally from, from one year old all the way forever, this is just the way that I'd been. I would just eat too much all the time. And I needed to, I don't know why, why it started so young. So what was your heaviest you've been? The heaviest I weighed in was 236. And I got fatter after that. I just wouldn't look at the scale. I oh was my God. afraid of it. So probably over 250 easy. Yeah. Okay. And so, when did you have the aha moment? I wish I could say that it was just one, but it was a handful of like rock bottom, hit the ground, get dragged along the ocean floor for a while is what it felt like. But one particular night, I was playing a show and just went off the deep end of partying and, and I lost a bass guitar. It wasn't even mine. It was borrowed custom, a high-end bass. And it was uh, a whole issue around figuring out where the heck did this bass go? Ended up finding it the next day. And the real shift there, the turning point was when I found it, I said, oh, let's go out and drink to celebrate that I found it. And that was really when I realized this is an overconsumption pattern that led to a problem. And then I wanted to celebrate with my same pattern that didn't line up. So it was when I finally recognized that even when, when something went bad, I wanted to eat and drink when something went good, I wanted to eat and drink. And so that particular time when I almost lost someone else's $4,000 instrument, that was uh, the turning point for me. How do people make these permanent changes in their health and own them for the rest of their life? That's a great question. One that I think about all the time. So for me, it was that I went through enough pain and I knew there was something better. I knew there was more to life than just drinking, eating, and wondering when we're going to do that again. So that, that loop didn't work. So knowing that that was enough caused me to ask more questions like what else is out? How do you actually get wealthy instead of just living pay to, paycheck to paycheck? How do you just get to that next level that you see other people doing? And so so that answers your next question that you asked, which was, how do people make this change and keep it? When it comes to wanting to make a change, well, we have to decide. And the only way that we make a decision is if we ask questions that shift the way we think. And this is why I'm really into sales, because we need to sell ourselves constantly on the next versions. So if you can really find the pain of what is this costing me? Why do I must, why must I change now? Why can I never go back to the way it was? When you start asking those really deep questions of yourself, then you can start to see what's possible. And so questions, questioning, questioning, questioning is how we can shift everything. I love that. So it's questioning. It's getting leverage on yourself of why you must change. And it's not a should, right? Like everyone <laughs> should do a lot of things, but very few people get, uh, you never get your shoulds, you get your musts. Yes. And you've made it a must, Rusty, from based on what you're telling me. I would even say that's one of the, the S's we talk about in Limitless, right? We talk about your state, your story, your strategy, but then the fourth S is your standards. And from what I'm understanding, Rusty, you elevate your standards to such a point that it's a non-negotiable to live at this high level. And you, and I'm also assuming that the kind of people you hang out with is different than the kind of people you used to hang out with. Is that right? 
100% correct. 100% mm -hmm. correct. On All the right. standards, like we've got certain rules. The junk food does not come through our front door. Like mm -hmm. that threshold is where junk food stops. No donuts. No, like we, we got gifted donuts one time from a good neighbor and we let it in just past the front door and then tossed them out immediately afterwards, right? Like those non-negotiables had to be in place. And then the people that we were around, I love my friends and I still tell them I love them and I mean it. And I don't hang out with them on a regular basis. When you were, you were actually on my podcast, one thing that you said was fire your fat friends. I was like, that's gold, man. Like, you, you don't have to get rid of them forever, but you can edit that relationship. You I can like that word edit. Just, yeah, it's, I got that one from, uh, from Bedros Cooley. And I heard that recently from him. And I was like, that's, that's a good way to think of it because I can still love this person that I used to party with. And next time that we're going to hang out, I'm going to suggest coffee or a hype. Right. You know, and so that the environment is absolutely critical. You've been around some really high performance people in your, in your career and your lifetime. Can you share with our audience, like some common characteristics you see of these high performers in, in multiple walks of life? And if, if there's any even physician high performers you see, that'd be great as well. But just, you know, if there's some kind of common traits that you find. Yeah, definitely. I, I see a few different groups of high performers. There's some of them that I don't personally identify with as much because they've always been the high perform. If that's you, I am slightly jealous and I'm proud of you. That's exciting, right? And then there's the people like me that feel like I was just absolute garbage my whole life and I've created the high perform. So I'm going to talk more about that because that's who I am and that's what I've seen. And so the thing that connects us as high performers that weren't previously is there's an innate drive. There's something deep down that's like I, that I know there's better and I'm willing to do weird shit for lack of a better term. Sorry, I don't know your rules on cursing here, but I went for it. <laughs> <laughs> but, no but I'm willing to be weird and potentially be the outcast in my group if it means that I can be better for myself. Because if I'm better as myself, the people around me will get better. 